somewhere along the line, uh, thank God, I got out of some funky religious ideation um, that I had fallen into about anxiety. Um, I, I don't know if probably you don't remember the 1980s. There was the drug commercials, you know, the anti-drug commercials, and they show a black skillet, and then they show an egg, and they say, this is your brain, and then they crack the egg and put it on the skillet, and then they say, this is your brain on drugs. It was like, this is your brain on funky religious ideation. Um, so through the 20s and 30s, um, not the 1920s and 1930s, I haven't seen those, but my 20s and my 30s, I, um, I really didn't think of myself as being anxious. And I, I don't think I honestly noticed anxiety in myself when I was having it. Like I, I thought of myself as super calm in a crisis and I, and I was, and I had a lot of responsibility at, at a young age. And I, I had that, that was part of my identity. I'm the go-to guy, I can handle stuff. Um, but then my father died, uh, I think 1999. And that was 15 years after my uh, mother had died. And there's something about losing your second parent that hits you a little bit harder and I started having anxiety and, um, that I'd noticed. And I actually ended up in the ER uh, because I, I had like heart palpitations and I thought I was having a heart attack and my father had died of heart disease and you know went in and they kept me overnight and the cardiac care thing and all that. So you can't ignore it when something like that happens. And that's where my funky religious ideation showed itself about anxiety because not only did I feel anxious about being anxious, you've probably had that when you're anxious, you think this might never end and it's so miserable. And then you get anxious about being anxious. But on top of that, I felt guilty about being anxious and it was religiously oriented guilt. Like uh, I'm supposed to be peaceful because God is my peace and God gives me peace. And so if I'm feeling anxious, there must be something wrong with my God connection, but I don't know what there is. And God is perfect and I'm imperfect. So if there's a problem, it's gotta be on my end. And you know, I, then I was getting anxious about feeling guilty and what was wrong with me and God. Neurotic stuff happens inside our heads. So around that time, I think 1997, the movie came out, The Apostle. Uh, starring Robert Duvall. So Robert Duvall and the Apostle is a um, Pentecostal preacher, kind of like old line Pentecostal preacher. And he's married to Farrah Fawcett. And Farrah Fawcett has an affair with the youth minister. And, and you would think that would be a problem for Farrah Fawcett, but no, Farrah Fawcett and the youth minister kind of organized the congregation to think that Robert Duvall was the bad guy. And they were like doing a coup on Robert Duvall, and there's this scene where Robert Duvall is in his attic, I think, and he's pacing around doing like Pentecostal prayer, and I've done this kind of praying, and it, it can be quite fun, and he was like doing loud vocalizations, and he's going, I hope this doesn't mess up the sound, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace, and, and I thought, man, that is some funky religious ideation going on there, and then I realized, but wait a minute, I, I do a version of that where like 
if I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, God, God, make me feel better. And if I don't feel better, it's because there's something wrong with you. You get the gist. So around that time, I, I learned a practice for engaging scripture that's called Lectio Divina. It means divine reading. And they should just call it reading scripture like you watch a movie because you just place yourself in the scene like we naturally do when we're watching a movie. And I came across Psalm 131 and I did Lectio Divina with this psalm. Let me read it to you. Um, guess which translation, Robert Alter. Lord, my heart has not been haughty, nor have my eyes looked too high, nor have I striven for great things, nor for things too wondrous for me, but I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother. Like a weaned babe, I am with myself. Wait, O Israel, for the Lord, now and forevermore. So the, the first two lines are, were, to me at that time, kind of counterintuitive because the Christianity that I was part of, you could call it renewalist Christianity. And in renewalist Christianity, the groups that are part of that like to refer to themselves as movements. We're a movement. We're not a denomination. We're not an institution. We're a movement. And a movement means we change lives, we change the church, we change the world, we're on the cutting edge, we're the next wave. I was part of these kind of renewalist forms of Christianity ever since I was, was an adult. And there was something about those opening lines that were so appealing to me because I realized how tired I was of being part of a cutting edge movement that had this self-identity and always had to be on the cutting edge. And, and I was exhausted by that. And I was kind of addicted to that way of thinking of myself and the Christianity that I was, we had to have big impact. It had to be really, plus I'm living in an arbor, which is like hail to the victors, valiant, the leaders and the best. We're the, you know, we excel at everything. We're, we're phenomenal. We are Ann Arbor people, wow. Lord, my heart has not been haughty, nor have my eyes looked too high, nor have I striven for great things, nor for things too wondrous for me, but I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother, like a weaned babe I am with myself. So that like dawned on me like, oh, I can calm myself. Like, it's not just that God calms me, but I have a responsibility to calm myself like a, like an, oh yeah, like a weaned child has to learn how to calm themselves apart from feeding um, from the mother. And, and then I can learn to be with myself if I can learn how to calm myself. Um, but I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother, like a weaned babe, I am with myself. It doesn't mean I'm calm and contented all the time. That's ridiculous. Um, but there are some things that I can do, like a weaned child learns how to do, to calm myself. And I, you know, I had I had a bunch of kids, and I saw the weaning process. And it, you know, it takes a it takes a while for a, a child to wean, and it's kind of a crisis for the mother and for the child. The weaning process, and and there's a lot of fussing and struggling 
sometimes on the parents' part and sometimes on the baby's part during the weaning process, like uh, our daughter, Amy, she had some kind of um, food allergies that were undiagnosed. She had the, like the worst possible colic that lasted forever. And we, I would spend hours pacing around the middle of the night with Amy to calm her. And then my granddaughter, Mia, Judy's daughter, had a similar thing. We went to visit her, Julia and I, in San Francisco. And uh, Judy was just, and Mike were just beside themselves during this process. And they had the swing thing, and Mia was always having to be in the swing thing, and, and then that wouldn't work. And they finally realized that when they had the vacuum on, she would calm down. And so literally we visited and the vacuum cleaner was on the, like the whole time during the day to keep Mia calm. So like it takes a while to learn how to calm yourself. Um, and this psalm I realize now looking back kind of became my portal into learning to calm myself. And it began with that process of for me, it was necessary, a process of de-inflation. That like, yes, a lot of people are counting on me, blah, blah, blah. I have a lot of responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But the whole world is not in my hands. Um, you know, when, when you are overwhelmed and you're feeling responsible for a lot of things, like for kids or for elderly parents or for just making your way in the world, um, things at work, it really helps to remember that we're in the big picture, we're small, not big. We really are small. And even when we have like a really important role to play, um, we can't make everything happen that needs to happen. Um, I've been thinking about praying for Steve um, in our church. Steve was asked by Governor Whitmer, Whitmer to take over the um, unemployment commission or agency that deals with unemployment and this was after in the previous administration that that agency had really been in a corrupt state where it was like a national news story where the agency after 2008 in the great recession 90 percent of the people who signed up for unemployment were being charged by the state of michigan for fraud and and it all came out and you imagine being the person in the new administration who's asked to come in and take over that agency and kind of deal with that that history and when steve took it over i think we were at all-time employment low low unemployment and then in a short period of time you know this thing hits and it's something like 25 percent of people in the state of michigan are anticipated to be applying for unemployment like there's nobody in that I know that I'd rather have running that agency than Steve. But Steve is not a Superman and he's a human being. And there's no way that Steve can do everything he needs to do to just make that all work for everybody. Um, and so in a situation like that, you have to remember, okay, I have an important role, but I'm small. I'm not big, I'm just a human being. Lord, my heart has not been haughty, nor have my eyes looked too high, nor have I striven for great things, nor for things too wondrous for me. But I've calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother, like a weaned babe, I am with myself. So today for our meditation time, we'll do a little Lectio Divina 
which is, um, again, a little simpler than it sounds. You just imagine yourself in a scene um, like we do in a movie. And the scene that we'll imagine ourselves in is, but I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother. I wanna suggest that you begin, if you like, by uh, placing one or both hands on your, over your heart and then take a couple of deep breaths in and out like we did at the beginning. And then now as though you were watching a scene like this in a movie, let the image of a young child, newly weaned, calm and contented, laying on its mother form in your mind's eye. You can pay attention to any surrounding details. Could be the child has come in to wake up the mother in the morning. She's picked up the child to snuggle or the mother may be sitting in a comfortable chair. Just take a little time now to let the, that setting form in your mind's eye and notice the details. And now as a last step, just imagine that you are the young child calm and contented, laying on its mother like that, and just stay with that for the next 30 seconds or so. And I'll read this psalm one more time before we turn it over to Liz for our mama bear minute. Lord, my heart has not been haughty, nor have my eyes looked too high, nor have I striven for great things, nor for things too wondrous for me, but I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother. Like a weaned babe, I am with myself. Wait, O Israel, for the Lord, now and forevermore. Amen. Back to you, Liz. Thank you, Ken. Uh, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, we've been through another week of pandemic and social distancing, washing our hands, sanitizing everything. It's surreal. It's very different than anything that feels normal. I mean, I'm sure you're getting into routines like I am, but it doesn't feel right. It, it, it doesn't feel right to have these kind of restrictions as we move about and interact with the world and with people. Um, but we're making it. We're doing it because we have to. 
is important at this time. <clears throat> I guess a lot of you, like me, have started wearing masks when you go out uh, for essential things, and um, that feels very odd, too. A couple of weeks ago, when the CDC first started talking about maybe changing the guidelines, I ordered some masks, and they began coming in this past week. Um, here's one I got in the mail this week. I wore it out this week and I got a compliment on it. And I was thinking, are masks going to be the new fashion statement? <laughs> uh, maybe we'll replace our graphic t-shirts with masks that have things printed on them that um, tell the world what we're passionate about or uh, some TV program that we love or um, a joke that we find humorous. Um, but wearing the mask got me thinking um, about some other masks that many of us have worn um, at times in our lives. I mean, these masks we're wearing now, they serve a great purpose. They're gonna help us hopefully um, lessen the spread of this virus. But some masks that we've worn to hide who we are just so we can try to fit in don't serve such a great purpose. I mean, for a while when we wear those masks, um, it may appear that we're fitting in and belonging, but it might, it, in the end, it doesn't feel like we are. In Brene Brown's book, yep, she's one of my heroes, so I bring her up a lot. <laughs> uh, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, she talks about true belonging and how we all have a desire to truly belong, you know, as ourselves, um, authentically. And um, I like what she says. She says, true belonging doesn't require us to be someone that we're not. In fact, true belonging requires us to be exactly who we are. It requires us to be authentic. And she says there's three things that um, can help us experience true belonging. And that's a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. A strong back is us having that kind of grounded confidence where we have enough self-love and self-respect that we can be authentic, that we can uh, stand up for ourselves, that we don't hide who we are um, you know, maybe we don't blurt everything out all at once, but we're not walking around on guard trying to hide something about ourselves. And if we have to, um, a strong back gives us the um, kind of ability and strength to actually walk away from certain situations or relationships or communities. But she says we have to be careful and not let our strong back uh, lead us to having um, a hard front because if we're not careful, our strength will be based in fear instead of love. And when that happens, we get um, defensive and prickly and distant and we don't make real connections. And we can't really experience true belonging if we're not making real connections with people. So we need a strong back, but we need a soft front. And when we have those two things, then that results in us having a wild heart because a wild heart is simply us living in that paradox and that tension of being both tough and tender, of being afraid and brave. Um, it's why we can show up and speak up even when we're scared and our voice is shaking. So today I just wanna encourage us to take off those masks um, that hide who we are and um, start um, working on having a strong back and a soft front and a, um, a wild heart. Uh, communities like Blue Ocean Faith are the perfect place for us to um, experience true belonging. 
And I know that we all want that. And mama bears, there's a bonus. When we do this ourselves in our own lives, then our kids get to see us doing it. And then they emulate us. And so at a much younger age, they learn how to be healthy and whole and live authentically and wholeheartedly into the people that they're created to be. So um, once again, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Stay safe, uh, love one another, uh, wash your hands, wear masks uh, when you go out for essential things and remember you're not alone.